As much as this is going to hurt your feelings, your cute little sensitive feelings, as much as this is going to hurt your feelings, I think it's time we have a pretty serious talk. I mean, it's time. I think the universe is making us redesign work. Because I think you now operate organizationally in a paradigm that's new and different. And the old paradigm simply does not exist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. And I have no idea why the phone was ringing into my ear, but I bet you heard it as well. But that only proves that this is a live podcast. I am actually saying this live to you as you listen to it. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, this is live. It's coming at you live, baby. This is totally live. And it's time we talk about this kind of new world. But before we do, let's check in. It is a dangerously close to the end of summer for us here in the uh, North American continent. I'm sad about it, too, because um, the summer kind of slipped by, and I didn't really get to appreciate it as much as I wanted to. But I don't know if that would be possible, because I don't. my expectations were really high. I had a great summer. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it was hot, though. Holy buckets, it was hot. It was, it was earth-shatteringly hot. It was hot, hot. But nonetheless, we lived through it, and now we're closing in on everything starting up again back for the bleak wintry time at least for us the rest of the world you, you guys in the southern hemisphere you you know you you're living through it and you're you're on the opposite part of this journey which i you know think makes it kind of interesting and fun it's uh, been quite a summer for me lots of bicycles not as much as i wanted but lots of bicycles and kind of weird interesting travel um and so that's been pretty good i mean i've done a lot of things that were important to do i've seen a lot of family and hung out with people and that was important to do i'm watching a lot of change happen that's valuable as well and you know i'm getting to see folks i saw sydney decker this summer that was a treat i hadn't seen him in a while we're uh, strategizing a new book i'm probably not supposed to say that yeah, I bet I wasn't supposed to say that out loud, but we—he has a—he has a really good idea. This will be a fun book, actually, and so that's starting up too. We're going to do that, and I'll have to find some place to stow away and uh, write as much of that book as I can write, because that's always fun, and then kind of get it together and and do some chatting and and see what happens and see the direction we move. That that'll be worthwhile at every step of the imagination i'm excited about that by any standard that'll be fun and you know i got to see lots of great organizations and hang out with great people and kind of start revisiting folks again and and talking to people in person uh the sucky part is i've been stuck in newark new jersey uh twice within the same month and had to do mandatory overnights because my planes were just a mess, uh, just a complete mess. But I try to not complain about that because there were thousands, both times there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people even waiting in line at customer service. I mean, it was, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a hard time right now. 
I don't know if you're having the same experience I am, but travel is losing some of its luster. It really is, too. Like, like Southwest no longer gives away Diet Dr. Pepper because of the pandemic. I don't understand how come. I, kinda, I understand why they restricted the amount of, of, of sodas they handed out during the pandemic. But post-pandemic, it seems like they could bring Diet Dr. Pepper back to the scheme, back on the plan. But they're not. And it's, a lot of things went away and just aren't coming back, which, interestingly enough, is kind of a part of what I want to talk to you guys about today on the pod, because I'm quite serious when I say we're probably at a place where we have to redesign work, which means we're probably at a place where we have to redesign our organizations, which means we're probably at a place where we have to reevaluate our metrics. And there's a lot in those three sentences I just said like they're nothing. I just, I just blew like blah, blah, blah. I just kind of got rid of them like they're meaningless, but they're not meaningless at all. They're a big part of what happens. And I think that's the conversation we should have. So interestingly enough, as I talk to organizations that I get to talk to, which is always super fun, and I'm so thankful that I get access and I get an opportunity to learn alongside some of the greatest people in the world. That's so much fun. But as I talk to them, I realize there's a new underlying set of conditions, not behaviors, not personalities, not attitudes, but conditions that has really changed the way work is being done. And we can kind of describe them by saying that it's really difficult now to get new employees. But we have to get new employees because many of our older experienced employees are retiring, oftentimes retiring early. Now, those are really connected, and you know why they're connected. And it's because of the last three years, we really had a a rather large global phenomena. In fact, I would suggest it was a global stock take. We all had to look at our lives and think about what our lives mean, and we all did it at the same time. I'm actually surprised that didn't create a ton of empathy, but it doesn't seem like it does. In fact, it kind of seems like people are more angry. But I think if we really looked at it, we'd say we all went through something pretty horrific together, and it was pretty horrific. And out of that, we all had to look at who we are and what we did. And that's probably okay. I mean, I'm I'm not sure that's all bad. Um, I I think one should do that once in a while just to kind of figure out where they are in the scheme of things with the rest of the world. However, one of the things that happened is people who've been working a while realized there's not a lot of need to keep dragging this out. I can get along pretty well not working, or I can get along pretty well working less, or I can get along pretty well hanging out with my friends and family and community because that's what we learned how to do. And it was a pretty hardcore lesson, but we learned how to do it. But what it also changed was the way people thought about entering our organizations. Where once, I kind of think the idea was capture a career, hold on to it tight, develop, learn, grow within the organization. You take care of the organization, and the organization in turn will take care of you, and you're fixed for life. But that's all changed, it seems like. 
Now, I'm speaking in pretty broad strokes, and there are exceptions to everything, always. But generally speaking, when I talk to people in organizations around the globe, they all tell me it's really difficult. They're losing their experience base, which scares us to death, because to a great extent, and you know this better than anybody in the whole world, bad systems normally work well because of good people. And good systems occasionally fail. And so what we've been counting on to keep the bad systems operating were those good people. And some of those good people have decided they want to do other things. See other people. Visit other cats and kittens. Do different stuff. And so now the experience base that we once counted on adaptively to keep everything running, keep the trains on time, that experience base is dwindling. And in some cases, going away dramatically so. And think of your industry. I mean, what I just said is probably incredibly true no matter what industry you work with. It's just part of the story. And because that's happening, that's put a new sense of attention on how we look at operational reliability in whatever we do. And it's put a new importance in bringing new people into our system. However, that's part two. The new people that come in are coming in. We can pretty much attract them to come in. We take them to some kind of induction. But then when they get to the workplace, what's happening is great, vast groups of people are deciding this job isn't for them. I don't like what's happening here. I don't like what we do. I don't like the way it's taken my time. I don't like how much work this is. I don't like how long I have to be here. And they're simply not showing up for the second day or the third day or the fifth day. And when we ask them in some kind of interview why they left, they often say, I can find ways to deliver food or carry people around, or I can work a part-time gig and I'll be okay. Now, that, as near as I can tell, and, and you can jump in and disagree with me, that's all right. That seems to be pretty much just how it is. Uh, in fact, I would say that's probably a fact. But what it means is, is that the way we've managed and organized work is probably no longer aligned with the people who actually do the work. And I don't think we want to hear it. I, I'm not sure I want to say it. I, I'm, I'm sure I don't want to hear anybody say it to me. But that's pretty interesting because that means we've really got to look very deeply at how we design, how we execute, how we organize our work, which means we have to look at how our organizations function. And I would guess, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I would guess one of the opportunities we have is we can either fight diligently against this and hope things go back to the way they were, which between you and I seems like a stupid and gigantic waste of time. Or we can start pulsing the group and figuring out how we're going to do the work we do differently, which will influence production. It'll influence operations. It'll influence compliance. It'll influence quality. And it absolutely will influence safety.
And we're in a position now where I think one of the things that we have to our advantage is really the freedom now to make changes. Now, I would suggest we want to make small changes incrementally. We don't want to make a lot of changes at the same time because that adds confounding variables, and it's hard to say which one worked and which one didn't. But if we make small changes incrementally to the way we schedule work and organize work and design work and test those small changes, it'll give us the opportunity to actually amplify those into larger changes. And we're going to have to think about how we communicate, how we train, how we qualify workers. Of course, those things will have to change, no question about it. But we're always also going to have to think about how we organize production. We're going to have to rethink shifts, I think. As, as crazy as this sounds, one of the pushbacks I hear from lots of organizations is that shift work as a whole has become dramatically less interesting to the new employment paradigm that's out there doing the work. And if that's true, and it looks like it might be, then that means we're probably going to have to reevaluate the way we look at how work is done. Now, you can curse the darkness. You always have my permission to do that. Or you can light a candle. And my guess is, is that the best way to light a candle is to talk to the people who work for you. And I think the first thing that has to happen at a fundamental level is that leaders have to realize at every level of the organization, but especially the C-suite, you C-suite guys, listen up, that you no longer know how work is designed. Because the enemy of learning new things is knowing old things. And so we want to build on our past knowledge and experience and skills and lessons. But from building on that past knowledge, we want to create a new design for the way work is done. And I think as leaders, we have to be humble enough to realize that that is paramount to starting this journey. We won't get anywhere until we realize first and foremost that the, the model we have in our head, the black line for how the organization is structured and how the organization designs and produces work, that model is no longer the only answer. That there are other ways to solve this problem. And it's interesting because, you know, you hear a lot of pushback against artificial intelligence, rightfully so, too. No question about it. It's pretty frightening. And yet, as employment changes... And as new employees have more and more restrictions about working in our facilities, they're kind of forcing the organization into looking at artificial intelligence in a much different way, in a way that sort of doesn't just talk about efficiency, but it talks about survival. And so my challenge to you is to really think about the fact that the best resources to help us understand how to design work are first and foremost the people who do the work. But I would actually start with that supervisor layer. And I would ask them very, very clearly to help us formulate the problem. What's the problem? And once we formulate the problem, then help us generate some new ideas around this problem statement. 
And then once we've gathered that data, the next group I talk to would be the employees. Because the expertise they bring to the world, what they're hearing and seeing and watching and observing and doing, that expertise will be incredibly helpful to us to understand what this new design is going to begin to look like. And it's probably going to be pretty different. I'm curious to see. But my guess is it's one that we want to pay good attention to. It's definitely one that makes a difference. So how are we going to do that? Well, that's a pretty fair question. I mean, I I would suggest that this means, first and foremost, we realize that the world has changed. And we try to not look at that with judgment. We actually look at it to describe the conditions that have changed. So keep your judgment out of it if you can. It's going to be hard. But try to look at it kind of clinically and say, these are the conditions that have dramatically changed. Where once we could put a job ad out and get 100 applicants and 10 would stay for their entire career, now we put a job out and get 10 applicants and one stays for the entire career. Whatever the difference is, that'll just kind of show itself. But once we describe what's happening then that allows us to understand the place where we are. And using our vast amounts of knowledge and experience and skill, we start to redesign the workplace. And we move from tying the work based upon behavioral qualifications to really looking at the design conditions we can put in that system to create the equal levels, or even better yet, advanced levels of production and operation at a reliable and high-quality level. Now, this is easier to say than do, but the first conversation we have to have is recognizing that the world's a new place and that we have the opportunity to move forward from this and effectively make everything better. It doesn't have to be worse. In fact, it shouldn't be worse. In fact, if it gets worse, we're probably doing it wrong. We want to make things better because better is really going to be key to our discussion of what happens next. So how do we do that? Well, I think we've got to listen. We've got to learn. And then we have to lead. Listen to the data that's coming in from all angles and levels of your organization. Analyze and learn from that information so that you're smarter and deliberately improving. And then take that information and lead the organization to new levels of success. So that's the conversation I wanted to have with you. I don't know what you think. It's been on my mind like crazy. I mean, I can't not think about this. It's a huge part of almost everything we do. And I'm fixated on what next looks like. It's kind of exciting. To me, it's really exciting. Because I'm totally sure that we're not going to be able to continue to do the things we've always done the way we always did them. That's pretty much over. But that's kind of over of everything. It's I, it, it's changed the way I buy groceries. I mean, it's just, things have changed. 
But what's interesting to me is I wonder what next looks like. I wonder what opportunities next will have. And I wonder how people will move forward. And if you were in a place like a university or doing that kind of, I mean, this must be a really, really scary slash exciting time to be around. It certainly is for me. And it's one I want you to think about. That's the pod for today, a short and sweet one. But it's some ideas that I've been kicking around for a good long time. And I wanted to start the conversation with us. Since we're all together and it's a good opportunity here at the end of the summer in North America to have this conversation. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. Be good to each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.